I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. One of my favorite memories that my mom shares with me about immigrating to the United States from China is about her fascination with downtown San Francisco. It was 1979, and she was taking English classes on Grant Avenue in Chinatown. She was on the edge of the financial district, and she'd admire what she observed. The high-rise buildings, the cafes and restaurants bustling with people out on their lunch breaks, professionals in power suits and high heels, the sounds of traffic and people talking loud loudly and fast. My mom thought to herself, I want to be a part of that. I'm going to get a job there. Eventually, she did. She learned English and became a teller at Sumitomo Bank on Sansom Street. I love hearing my mom describe this snapshot of downtown San Francisco through the eyes of a young immigrant woman with big aspirations. Downtown San Francisco doesn't inspire that sentiment anymore. It's become the poster child for urban decay and perceived failed policies, and it's come to define the entire city to the rest of the world. Today on Fifth Emission, urban critic John King joins me to discuss how we've lost sight of what else San Francisco is about. For a long time, San Francisco was not defined by its downtown. Many residents resisted the centralization of resources and political power in the area. So how did downtown San Francisco become the stand-in for so many current hotly debated topics? And what's missing from that doom loop story we hear so much about? John King, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thanks for inviting me again. John, downtown San Francisco makes headlines all the time now, but it also only makes up roughly about 40 blocks of the city. Why has downtown become synonymous with the entire city? Downtown hasn't just become synonymous with the entire city. It's become synonymous with the failed dystopian hellscape that is liberal, elite, progressive San Francisco that has allowed things to run so amok that civilization is degraded and in decline and the whole city is a wasteland. And that's very unfair as anyone who knows the landscape knows, but essentially it's become this compact, ill-defined area that is where journalists go to show what has happened to San Francisco, whether they're from the Washington Post whether it's the New York Times, the Daily Mail of England, Le Monde in France, and so on and so forth. I was doing searches using San Francisco and Dune Loop, a a connection the Chronicle, for better or worse, has really put front and center in the last few months and has been picked up by lots of other publications. Certainly, the Chronicle has played a pretty big role in highlighting the troubles of downtown San Francisco to the world. The equation of downtown to entire cities, though, happens across the U.S., but is that especially true in San Francisco? I think until recently, it was especially not true in San Francisco. If you think in New York, you think of the skyline of Manhattan and Manhattan and all the drama. If you think of Boston, there's a neighborhoods versus downtown split there within local politics. But the Boston imagery is pretty set and settled. In San Francisco, I think for a long time, the local discourse has been neighborhoods versus downtown. San Francisco was the Castro. It's the hate. It's the Embarcadero. It's 
the cable car is climbing up steep hills. It's Alamo Square. You know, it, it was kind of this panoply. And there are these big buildings downtown. And, well, downtown's not really even San Francisco. The real San Francisco is out here. And the last few years, the two have really become inseparable in terms of actual economics. Downtown puts money into city hall coffers that in turn fund lots of things. People think of San Francisco as a place of hills and bridges and views, but today's reality is something different. And then it shifts to UN Plaza. It shifts to 8th and Mission Street. It shoots to out-of-business signs in Union Square. I mean, it gets pretty predictable. Right. So the perception of what qualifies as San Francisco has changed. It's not the case now, but in the past, downtown was not equated with the entire city. It was viewed as, quote, an evil force to be contained, as you note in your story. That's about the financial district in particular. Tell me more about that past sentiment. This goes back into really San Francisco history stretching back into the 60s. The rise of neighborhood activism and the rise of kind of more of a left-wing progressive activism for a lot of good causes to kind of stop urban renewal from continuing in terms of just bulldozed neighborhoods. You, a place like Yerba Buena that we now just take for granted as this real nice little bowl and the convention center and all. I mean, a big chunk of that was bulldozed in the late 60s and stayed that way into the 80s and beyond. You know, you had this activism that was stopping freeways from getting built and then that was trying to contain office towers from spreading throughout the areas around the financial district. And so downtown really became seen as this force that was essentially this kind of enclave of capitalistic excess. And the real San Francisco was the neighborhoods. The rhetoric really played out kind of late 60s into the 70s and then came back in the early 80s as towers were going up again in mass. I mean, it it was a very much kind of political theater of a sort. So then how did that shift happen if there was this activism to sort of separate downtown from all these lovely different neighborhoods? It has come mostly from the outside, that with the pandemic up until 2020, the way that the definition had been refined in the prior few years was tech bros had taken over the city and they were filling all these buildings south of market and the financial district and mid market. Well, suddenly all that got hollowed out. The buildings were empty, stores started closing, all the hotels closed, all the conventions stopped, tourism dried up, as was true in every city. And then you started seeing all these big retailers just starting to close one after the other. Restaurants were closing because the workers weren't there, so on and so forth. Even though the numbers of homeless people has not increased in the city, according to various studies, suddenly it became tents, not just down an alley or something, but tents on Market Street in the financial district, things like that. The whole downtown equals San Francisco became this media construct, which is today's San Francisco is a fill in the blank. And, and the, the blurring, you know, all the nuance just fell aside. 
You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. As you point out in your piece, John, there are other neighborhoods in San Francisco that are still upbeat and lively. I was recently shopping and eating in the Outer Sunset, and it felt like the community was great there and thriving. What stands out to you? Well, for starters, the Outer Sunset's great. I love it. But beyond that, it's just go down to Dog Patch, go out to Clement Street, go to Hayes Street, go to North Beach. A lot of these places, certainly North Beach, is livelier than it was before the pandemic. Go to the Embarcadero on a Saturday. It feels like a Saturday on the Embarcadero in 2019. And go to just regular Ocean Avenue. Places are doing really well out there, partly because people are working from home. So they're there, partly because people kind of got reacquainted with the notion of, hey, this is a nice place to hang around. If you really look close, you'll see maybe some of the more borderline retail places closed, you know, like hardware stores or things like that, that just couldn't make it through the strain. But the basic scene on a West Portal Avenue or on Noriega out in the sunset or whatever, it really feels like these vital, vibrant neighborhoods. Yeah. But people aren't paying attention to that outside of San Francisco as much. These neighborhoods are now sort of suffering the collateral damage because of the bad rap that downtown gets. What do you think people are not understanding about modern cities these days? To the extent people are thinking about it, they don't understand how complex cities are and they've always been. Unfortunately, I don't think there's a lot of thinking about it. The sad thing is San Francisco has kind of become a symbol. I think part of the the thing people aren't thinking about is just you can never simplify a place. And that's always been true. It's very true now. But unfortunately, so much of the debate these days is so simplistic. So many people have images of San Francisco in their head. If you said to me, wow, Lincoln, Nebraska has just been ravaged by the pandemic, be like, I think I drove by it once on a freeway. But San Francisco, so many people with the wherewithal to travel, they've been there. And they often have very fond associations. You know, so they can picture their idealized view of what the city is. And then you hear the other stuff and it becomes a, oh my gosh, what's happened to my piece of San Francisco? John, even though San Francisco is so much more than just downtown, we know that downtown matters. It's the city's financial engine, revenue from the area funds, key city services from public safety to transportation. As the Chronicle's urban critic, what's the opportunity now to revitalize downtown San Francisco? What do you think it needs? I think a hundred different things are needed. By nature, I'm a Pollyanna, but I think probably there'll be a few difficult years before the pieces start getting put together in significant ways. It's really tough because there are so many great little things that can be done to activate the street. But if you've got 
30% of the office space in those big buildings vacant, that's not going to be fixed by jazz in a plaza at lunchtime. That's not going to be fixed by giving art galleries free space to be in ground floor retail spaces. When you've got Salesforce subleasing two entire office towers, things like that, those are massive to overcome. I think ideally what it looks like is much more of a blend of offices and housing and commercial space. It becomes a place with much more of a civic component. I would love to see somehow things worked out so that all the big arts institutions in town would have satellite museumettes in the financial district and close by. It's one thing to say, if you lease office space, we'll knock down your taxes for a few years. It's another thing to somehow figure out to rework things, to start turning a lot of these buildings into housing or into other uses. Mayor London Breed has talked about moving city workers into some of these private office spaces. If you started having you know, a satellite of some places downtown, you could start to mix things up. I think it will take a few years for us to figure out what are the shifts that can be made to have a lasting impact. Mm -hmm. We're not hearing a lot of optimism in the ways that San Francisco has talked about, but John, are you optimistic? I'm optimistic in the long term. I mean, San Francisco is not like any other city. And it drives me mad when it's like, oh, we're going to become another Detroit. We're going to become another Rust Belt city. You know, the whole sky is falling. First, it's not true. But then also, the basic core assets of San Francisco are remarkable. Most cities aren't at the tip of a peninsula surrounded by water, riddled with hills, with one of the truly iconic structures in the world rolling into it with this mix of draws, new and old. I mean, one of the rejuvenative things about San Francisco is that up until recently, it's kept adding to what pulls people here. The Castro is absolutely one of the big draws of the city for so many visitors. That happened in the 70s, and I'm sure there was plenty of local resistance to seeing a neighborhood become identified with the gay movement at the time. You know, things keep happening. And I was saying until recently, but, you know, I'm an old guy. Probably there are plenty of people who look at the art scene down south of Mission Bay as something of this, or, you know, the proximity of the ballpark to Chase Center. There's a park that's going to open along the water outside Chase Center, I think within the next year or so. You have this whole waterfront constellation of open spaces that has developed. That's another type of thing. Well, John, thank you for this conversation and for the reminder of what San Francisco is really about. I appreciate it. Well, thanks. It's a lot of fun. John King is the Chronicle's urban design critic. His story about downtown San Francisco is online now at sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. Thanks to Gary Baca for editing, and thanks to you for listening. Mm -hmm.